This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey! Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad Declan Goff with you as we are every uh, Tuesday for the full length show that you can hear, obviously, uh, scorenorth.com, the mobile app, all those good places, as well as uh, at 7 p.m. on Tuesday evenings on uh, Score North at 1500. And Declan, let me start the show as. Uh, Actually, the Wild, as we record this, are playing uh, Buffalo on Tuesday night in Buffalo. Let me start by giving you this factoid. Right now, as we talk here on the, on the morning of Tuesday, uh, the Minnesota Wild is the worst team in the National Hockey League with 16 points. Hey. They have now fallen into, because, okay, they've got 16. Let's see here. The Kings, who are terrible, have uh, 17 points at 21 games. The Wild, by the way, uh, 20 games, 16 points. In the Eastern Conference, the Rangers, Blue Jackets, and Devils all at 18 points. And the Senators and the Red Wings in the Atlantic Division are at 17 points. So, you know what? I'm fine with it. But right now, the team that plays at the X is the worst team in the National Hockey League. Yeah, that's, uh, this has been a long time coming. It's, it's been overdue. You've been watching the way they've played. That uh, There's nothing really about the team that suggests that they could be any better the goaltending's been atrocious there's been some pop-up moments from the young kids that have looked that have uh, been encouraging but all in all this this team's old it's slow it's it's time to blow it up and you you do that by getting high draft picks so this is this is good you beginning of the process if you will for the wild all right so let's get to how the process is working how things are unfolding this team now has gone back the one relic of the past that has not changed is the name that i gave them i think two years ago now the furious rallies are alive and well they are getting down consistently it seems like by two goals and then they're like oh goody now we can jump back in the game and we we both went to the game on uh, saturday and saw that when they went down by two goals uh they came back against carolina they what in fact they were down two nothing and then i believe they were down three to one so two goal deficits twice they came back to tie and lost in, in OT. And I definitely want to talk about that overtime, the philosophy, the goaltender as well. But I want to start here with you because this bothers me deeply. This is keeping me up nights. Okay. Okay. Kevin Fiala, who, by the way, ha- has moved into a top six role. He's playing, uh, was playing on a line with Koivu and Parisi. The chemistry was there. Yeah. Uh, it was looking pretty good. And this guy was uh, was hurt, I believe, for three games earlier this season. Was a healthy scratch. A healthy scratch for two. Major problem with that. He can't be scratched. Like, that's a no-scratch guy. And Boudreaux, uh, but Boudreaux eventually rewarded him, gave him more ice time. Fiala started to score goals, and everything was hunky-dory. Like, this is this kid has potential to score goals. Yep. And the Wild needs to know this because this is – Kevin Fiala could be an absolute key to your future. If he could score 25 to 30 goals, right? Right? So I'm sitting at the Carolina game on Saturday afternoon with you, and for the last um, 7.55 of the third period in that game, after Fiala has a turnover, which, yes, is not a good thing, came in his own zone, he was benched. I'm going to give you the Boudreaux quote here. Okay. 
And then let's Hit talk. Me. And then let's talk about this. And let's talk about why we, we both, I think, might have a problem. Quote from Bruce: He turned the puck over in a three-three game in the last ten minutes of the third period. I'm trying to teach him to be more responsible. The last game, he did all the right things in the third period, so he kept playing. I think we got to understand how to protect the lead, which we're doing when we do get it get it in the third period. This was sort of a little lesson. I no 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 no. You're not trying to win games, and, and if Fiala does this consistently, then it's a different conversation, right? Right. But here's my here's my take, and then give me yours. Okay. If you're going to do this to Fiala, it has to apply to every veteran as well. Like if we're going to milk victories, if Zucker or Parisi or anybody else screws up, they're benched then, which you're not going to do. I don't expect that. All right. But this team is in no place if Kevin Fiala, he's going to make the occasional stupid play. Yep. So is Dumba. Like, I could bench Dumba for entire periods of time. Right. Uh, I'm not going to. It really bothers me. As much as I like Bruce and as much as I want Bruce to be the coach of this team, I think this is one, Declan, where Billy Guerin has to go to Bruce and say, no, we're not doing that. If the kid screws up consistently, we'll address it. But we're not teaching lessons in key moments when it's more important that Fiala plays than any veteran on this team right now. I think this the timing of it was a little strange because Kevin, for the last five, six games, had been starting to play very well. And even in the Carolina game on, on Saturday afternoon, yeah, he wasn't maybe as a, a force as he was in the first few games uh, coming into that game, but he he needs to be in a position where he can be used, as, used successfully and, and motivated and once you get his confidence up, which is what we saw going into the Carolina game, I think you kind of kick him right in the pants, for the lack of a better word, uh, by scratching him and or benching him for the last 15 minutes of that game, just because of one, you know, minuscule turnover in my book. So, I I, I wish they would give him a longer leash because you saw in the Hurricanes game that younger kids were getting ample opportunities. Uh, the the Greenway and Atkin Cunning line, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the show, was their best line, and it has been their best line for the last three to five games. So there's moments where Bruce is leaning towards giving these kids more opportunities and, and trusting them more, but then to kind of flip-flop it a little bit on Fiala, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you that I, I just didn't agree with how he handled it. Yeah, and the so they, they won two nights before that game against Carolina, beat the uh, Coyotes 3-2. And Bruce went into great detail about how he was playing well, so I kept playing him. But that should be the mandate for this kid. Like, all of these kids need to learn. I just don't understand what – if they consistently are playing poorly, then I get it. you got to sit them down. you got to talk to them. You know, this is going to take some work then. But Kevin Fiala, Matthew Dumba, um, go down this list of young players. Eric Sinek, who I think has played great of late, they're going to have moments where they make really, really stupid right. and bad plays, and this is the time to do it. Like, this cannot be a time where Bruce says, well, that cost us a win. This, this is why, if I'm Garen, I think that you should have by now gone to Bruce and say, Bruce, you're not going to be fired based on points here. This team's not good. We, yeah. we accept that, right? What, what you're going to be fired on is if you try and, and put a veteran third-line, fourth-line guy in because you think that he can help milk a victory. That's, so the Fiala thing, I guess I start w- with – Fiala because he seems like the poster child of, of being made an example of if things go wrong. Donato would be up there too, but he just doesn't play enough, which I think is a problem as well. I think yeah. he should play way more. 
But Fiala has skill. He goes through spurts where he looks great. He goes through spurts where he scores goals. And I don't think I don't think benching him because of a bad pass in his own zone in that Carolina game is like going to be a oh this turns me around moment. Right. I think you're far better off addressing it on film with him and talking to him, but also saying this is just what's going to happen this year. And if it costs you a game, who cares? You're last place team. Yeah, you're you're like, a- like what's the what's if Bruce thinks he's going to get fired because Kevin Fiala makes a bad pass, then somebody has to either tell Bruce it's your job or basically say, I just need you to do this. Right, and we're getting to that Thanksgiving threshold here in the NHL calendar year where if you're outside the top eight um, and if you're inside the top eight, it's it's almost – I wouldn't say it's a lock, but the percentages of you being in the postseason, if you're inside the top eight by Thanksgiving, are pretty good. And we yep. all know the Wild aren't are well off outside the, the top eight right now, even though there's a ton of teams in the West right now which are struggling – which are puzzling to me, and I know we're going to get into some disappointing teams later in the podcast. But right now, the identity of the Wild is is you're a bottom five team. The, the ceiling, in my opinion right now, is the fifth best record in the draft lottery, you know, or, or odds, I should say. So mm-hmm. that's that's your ceiling right now. You're, you're playing between the first and the fifth pick. And if you're outside of that, I would kind of – I'd rule that as a disappointment. And you know, we'll, we'll also touch on it later, but Boudreaux has a history of this. His teams typically, honestly, get off to very slow starts that have been much more talented than this year's wild team. So yes. that's, that's probably the, what scares you a little bit if, if, you're, if you're a wild fan looking to rebuild and do it quickly is Boudreaux can really milk some wins. So how he handles that and is, is what we have to watch for here in the next few weeks. And, and I think he would be a, a good coach to potentially guide the wild through this process but he needs the direction of if kevin you're much we're much more likely to fire you if kevin fiala does not play than you getting us two points against carolina on a saturday afternoon that doesn't matter and by the way too the other thing that this franchise and i guess i think this starts at the top craig leopold has to accept the fans are gone yep like this is not you're it's looking like Mariucci in there yeah you're not going to get them back right now right now we'll we'll um, Kaprasov, absolutely, yeah. he might. If you win games next year, abs- I'm not saying that they're gone for good. But any any um, thought process that this year is salvageable with the fans, they've checked out. Right. People with tickets aren't showing up. Correct. And it's pretty clear that that you have people in the lower bowl with season tickets, Declan, who are probably going to their buddies, neighbors, and saying, hey. "Do you want wild tickets?" And like, no, good for today. Right. But the, the Coyotes game a week ago Thursday. The upper deck, there was an, I was in there, yeah. an empty section, right? Yeah, I was. I, Across I, the way. No the one press, there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on Saturday, there were a ton of empty seats. So anything to be like, well, if you just make the playoffs, no, no, this is done. Yeah, I mean. So let's not, let's, let's stop with the pretending that the fans might. The disposable income of the Minnesota sports fan for 2019-20 will not be spent on the two men's winter professional teams. Correct. And okay. Leopold just has to accept that you're going to be in the red here for probably the calendar year, probably in, into 2020 and yeah. possibly into 2021. That's just that's where you're at right now financially for the Wild. Okay. Um, item number two, very quickly. Another problem I have. Okay. I've got some problems today, Declan. You always have problems. Yes, that's very true. Uh, so let's see here. So Tuesday, November 5th. I am looking at the Wilds game against the Ducks in Anaheim, okay? Right. And they went 4-2, to two, and I'm looking at the score or at, at the uh, the game sheet. Alex Daylock started. Played really well, right? 
Tuesday, November 7th, they then travel and play San Jose. And Stalock started again. And I think they got down, what, quickly? Three, nothing. Is that correct? Dubnik comes in. So starting with that game in San Jose, when Dubnik replaced Stalock during that game, one, two, three, four, five. I'm looking at five games from that time on okay. that have the name Dubnik as the goaltender. Yeah. Now, I, you told me this morning on Tuesday that Stalock was going to start against Buffalo yeah, in Buffalo, yep. which he should. But what are we doing here? Why? And, and we saw the overtime goal that Devin gave up, and I know they said it went off Spurgeon's stick, and I don't really – let's stop Awful. with Let's stop with the excuses. Yeah, no. Um, you got to stop that puck. But why am I looking at Dubnik's name so much? I'm not sure. I think maybe my, my theory is here, uh, possibly, that obviously Devin Dubnik has been coddled for the majority of his tenure here in Minnesota, and at, there was a good chunk of time, I would actually say the majority of that time, it was the right thing to do. I really do think it was the right thing to do. Over if Since he's come here in 2014, Dubnik has deserved to be your number one goalie starting 60% of your games for the most longevity of that. Recently, no, he should not be doing that. But maybe this is a moment to Devin and to Billy and to the ownership of, Devin, we can't do this anymore. So even though we're putting you out there too much and we'd like to switch things up, this is now who you are. And you're not very good. Now, the the, bro- the problem with that also is it's just shooting down his trade value because he continues to look worse and worse and worse. And I'm not sure if he is a goalie because uh, some goalies need the consistency and the reps. I'm not sure if he's even a goaltender that can be playing on a 50-50 split. I think that's what the rotation should be because this team sucks. But I'm not sure that Devin Dubnik can even be effective or look marketable if he only plays every other game. So it's it's a real tough spot for him to be in. Boudreaux, that is. Okay. Let's let's back up and say that if he can be traded, and he has, if I'm not mistaken, a limited no-trade clause. So there's like 10 teams he can't be traded to, or he can block trades. But let's back up for a second here. If he plays every game, he's awful. Like, it's inviting disaster. Guys are trying to shoot from the side of the net. They're taking. He lets in the damnedest of goals and has, by the way, now for quite some time. At least if you spot start him or go to a rotation of some sort with Alex Stalock being the other goaltender, I think you can get Dubnik playing well enough to market him. Because the one thing he's got going for him is if he's traded to a halfway decent team that needs goaltending help, that has a guy hurt, for instance, you know, the majority of teams now use two guys. So, like, if he was, if he went to a contender and was the quote-unquote backup, he's still going to play a lot. Yeah. But I don't think there's any way. I think his trade value starting all the time, if you're the Wild, you drive it right into the grave. I think if you start him every other game, for instance, or go to some type of split here, I think he might play well enough that you can – and. We have to keep in mind you're not going to break the bank here. You know, you're not going to get three first-round picks. But he's marketable, and if you make him marketable, and if you play him just enough to make him look good, then I think I think that you can trade him because he would be used on a good team in some type of split probably. So he wouldn't go – the most unrealistic thing was – and he played great, but when he got traded from the Coyotes to the Wild – and came here and started, what, 30-some-odd straight? Yeah. Just some ridiculous figure. That doesn't really happen anymore. That's a aberration. So to your point, I think your choices are continue to do what they're doing, which I don't like, and make him completely untradeable and at times unplayable. I hate to be mean about it, but it's true. Or you spot him with Staylock 
and at least might and at least possibly get something for him because to backtrack on what we've talked about before i think going back to last year the contract is good yep 4.3 like that's, that's million that's a good contract yes it is especially for goalies right now but this whole thing of well he's playing well now this is no longer i don't get this one this to me this is no longer a conversation about doobies back on track no i don't care what he does i don't yep. care if he gets a shutout he's not going to play every game you know and it's like they put him back in and the leash on Stalock is way too short. So he has a bad game. Again, I will ask the question. Fiala loses the puck. Dumba does something stupid. Stalock lets in a goal from center ice. You lose a game because of it. So what? Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Right. And, and that's where Bruce just has to be told. Bruce, it doesn't We need to see these guys. Yes, and I think uh, I think we're getting closer and closer to Stalock getting more trust out there. We, we saw that earlier I, a couple weeks ago. I always feel that ago. way, too, but then they... Right, he has a tough start to a game, and he I never think he play. feels. Boudreaux feels, and he obliges to play Dubnik more than he probably should. And as we're figuring out, Devin can't play every night anymore. He just can't. And I don't care if he wants to. Yeah, and I also believe that there are a couple goaltenders in the AHL that once you were to trade a Devin Dubnik, that you can get a look at. Yeah, and by the way, on a bad team. My overtime theory from last night or from last year comes back here, and I would do it now. If Dubnik goes into OT, put your Staylock. I put Staylock in, and I, don't give me this. Well, Staylock is not warmed up. Who cares? Again, you lose. So what? He ain't gonna allow the goals that Devin allows. I can tell you, five foot seven Alex Staylock at least come out of his dang crease. To well, and he stop can play the puck. puck. Yeah. But that, my point last year was, and, and I, I believe this was a product of the overtime game they played against the Sharks at the X early in the season. He's so good. In fact, he made a pass to Granlin, and Granlin scored. And he's so good at, at that. But, okay, so the comeback to the people that didn't like my case was, well, Stalock can't do that. He's not warm, and you can't take Dubnik out. Do you see the, the overtime goals that Dubnik yeah, allows? Yeah, Devin's awful, man, in the overtime. Yeah, he can't, he can't play the puck. He tries to play the puck. And what makes it worse is he allows awful goals. And don't give me the Spurgeon tipped it. Yeah, no, it, that transition... From for Carolina to go right down there, and Devin is for whatever reason. And look, I'm I'm not going to pretend I am a technical goaltender yeah, coach. I was pretty good in street hockey. If that has anything I was to do with great it, in street hockey. I think that's the only thing we have in common. Couldn't really we, play the puck. Is we well. yeah, I, I couldn't either. But for him to be so far back in his paint, like literally sitting so much in the blue with with paint in front of him, like what? Positionally, what were you thinking, Devin? Like, was uh, Bob Mason must have been pulling his hair out if there's any left in there? Like, it it, it must have been mind-boggling watching him try to do that. So it's it's extremely frustrating watching him lately because you saw him save this team uh, five years ago, and and him being the rock of the team for the next four seasons. And if you remember before Dubnik got here, and when Backstrom got hurt and his value and his uh, injury history caught up with him, they were throwing. S at the wall trying to figure out, God, what are we? Oh, it was a do? disaster. No, Briz- he was great. Brizgalov and Kemper, and you know, it, it we we could go down the list. It was awful. And right now, the Wild are trying to figure out who could be their goaltender of the future. Because once you turn that around, that that once again will be your biggest question mark two seasons from now is who's in net for you? Absolutely. All right, my third thing, and I'm going to praise Bruce for this because I like this one. So after the last. Wild OT game before Saturday, which I think, Declan, if I'm not mistaken, was two weeks back. Bruce basically said, it's going to change. I got to change it up. Now, this has been a long time coming, okay? So this should have been done well before. But he finally said, I got to stop putting three old slower guys out on the ice to start OT. Because I think the last home game that the Wild lost in OT before Saturday... 
Parisi was just standing still, and it was it wasn't feasible. Yeah. It wasn't workable. So at the start of overtime on Saturday, we got Erickson Eck, who's playing really well, I think. Dumba, Brodeen. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was followed by Stahl. Yeah. Uh, Cunning loved it. He almost won the game. He did. Spurgeon. And, and then those three, I think, were scored against or scored on because Dubnik allowed the bad goal. But what would have come next was a line or a, a forwards, the two, would have been Fiala and Greenway. Yeah. This is exactly what they should do. Right. Putting your slowest guys in the ice out there for this three-on-three, which the Wild have done since the league has transitioned to it, has been awful. They've been the worst overtime team in the league, I believe. Uh, I probably would have gone win, Fiala. Wins-wise. I might have gone, gone Fiala, Cunning, had Cunning take the face-offs. The stall one, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have played stall. Uh, but even Dumba, was, he was more used as a forward yes. than he was necessarily as a defenseman because that's why Brodeen was out there. Brodeen was the defenseman, and, mm-hmm. and, and Dumba was the other forward. Uh, so that is a... I think was it was a really telling and encur- another encouraging sign of Boudreaux putting other players that aren't the veterans, aren't the suitors, aren't the stalls, aren't the Zuccarellos, aren't the Koivus, the slowest fleeting team against fast teams. It that that's just a recipe for disaster. So that I, I was very encouraged by that that they, he actually went out and, and put his young kids out there because Jordan Greenway, Luke Cunning, and Joel Eriksson Eck have been their three best forwards for the last five nights. Yeah, and uh, Greenway again. And I think I said this on the last two Judd's Hockey Podcast, Declan, that we've done. Jordan Greenway, to me, is playing exactly like you want now. I don't know if somebody got to him or a light went off in his head or what. But, man, his style right now. And he's going to get some goals and points. But more importantly, he's creating real problems. And he almost got the goal. That that play that he made, I think it was in the third period yeah. against Carolina, to go to the front of the net. And Eck just missed it. I mean, did every both of them. But did. Greenway literally yeah. overpowered Yes. The Carolina defenseman to get to the net. Yeah, that was a hell of a play. Yeah, and and if he continues to do that, because I I'm skeptical that he can be a consistent forty point guy. I really am. I'm just skeptical on it. I would like to see it, but I think he can be a very effective forward in this league for a very long time with his size and how he uses it. Like you said, maybe the points start coming more as he gets older and as as he matures in the game. But for me, I look at a guy who uses his, his physicality and his size to help everyone else out on the ice. And, and the Wild need that because they're, they're really not a very big or bruising team. Okay, so you did a piece last week, uh, scorenorth.com, that painted scenarios, some very rosy, some not so. Give me those, and, and let's go through the scenarios that you painted uh, potentially for the 2019-20 Wild as far as their season So goes. I think and you and I will, will obviously have different opinions here, but I, I did a best case, worst case, most likely case scenarios for the for the Minnesota Wild this season. And as we touched on earlier in the podcast, I kind of mentioned that, hey, Bruce Boudreau has been down this road a million times where his teams just kind of are lethargic through the first 15, 20 games. In Anaheim, he went 1-7-2 and two in his first 10 games. That team finished with over 100 points and won their division. Um, in Washington, I believe they won the President's Trophy in 9 and that team started 5-4-2 and two through 11 games. So this is a trend with Boudreau, and I know different teams, different circumstances, but what... What can we make of Boudreaux's slow starts and milking wins, and how can we kind of accurately paint a picture of what could happen? So I thought best-case scenario for this team is they something starts clicking right now. Everyone starts playing well. Young kids start taking steps up. Um, they make the postseason, and they make the postseason by those young kids having an insane elevation in their game. So that means your young kids stepped up. That means you put yourself in the postseason – 
and you won a playoff series. I think that would be the best case scenario for the Wild because it would put interest back in the team from a fan perspective. Multiple young kids would step up. You'd win a playoff series, you get some buzz back, and those would be good situations. So that was my best case scenario. Hmm, interesting. Well, first of all, it means to me that the young kids can't be benched then. Like the Fiala thing can't happen. Right. Um, second of all, it, yeah, if it all came together like that, I, can, I could sort of see it. The difference, though, is I think that Bruce would be trying to play as veterans to try and get them to help out, and I don't know how much they've got left to give in some cases. Yeah, so I, for how I look at it is those veterans, like, we already know who they are. Yes. Like, their ceiling has been reached. They're veterans, right? A- absolutely. And so that meant that the younger kids had massive developmental steps. And then they can't towards... be benched, though. Correct, yeah. So, so, th- so this, means, this means that Bruce has to change his ways. So if Kevin Fiala loses the puck or makes a dumb pass in his own zone with eight minutes left in the third period of a tie game, he says, go back out there, kid, and get him yeah. and score a goal. Yeah. Or if Dumba does something, and I go back to and, and I like him, but again, he has certainly made some passes where you say, what the hell is he thinking at the time? Um, I see what you're saying. The plausibility is probably very, oh, for very, sure. very, very far-fetched. Correct. Um, and I don't know that Bruce would have the ability to do what you're saying, which is to go to to get the young kids playing enough uh, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Um, you need a magic wand. Yeah, exactly right. Well, you you would need a. I think you would need, and th- this is not to insult Bruce. I think you would need a different coach uh, to do it because it would almost be a guy who could say, "All right, Kevin, you made a really dumb pass there, and we're going to talk about that and film after the game." But I'm not mad right now. Uh, go back out there. So, okay, that's scenario one. Sorry. So now, worst case scenario for this team. I like this. And this is. I'm a big fan of worst case. This is how I've seen this play. A million times, and I hate the theater, and that's how much I, I've seen this. Play. Oh, I'm not going to like this. Sorry. Worst case scenario, you're not going to like this. Sorry. Um, what will happen in the worst case scenario is sometime after the new year, yep. probably in February, the Wild are going to win 12 of 14. They're going to go on a roll. <laughs> they're going to go. They're going to be done by two goals in every yep, game. Yep. They're, they're going to win 12 of 14. Maybe, you know, one of those players steps up. Maybe Maybe someone starts playing very well. By April, you're now fighting for a playoff spot, and by the end of the season, you're ninth in the West. So you missed the playoffs. You got hot for no reason. The younger kids didn't take a step up. So now you're out of the draft lottery. You're picking 13th, and Kaprizov now doesn't want to come over here. That's my worst-case scenario, which honestly could happen. Now, Kaprizov did say, I saw reports last week, that he definitely plans on coming over here. Um, but a lot of what you just talked about, like, I can't dismiss it. I'd like to say, oh, no, but they rally from two goals down more. That's one where if you're Billy, you would have to put your foot down and stop it. Yeah. You you know this can happen. Well, you know what this gets to. Do you know what the scenario that you're discussing gets to? In fact, it dovetails a Zolgad plan with, with what you just said. That's where during that streak of hot games, you you say to yourself, we're going to be the first team to introduce load management. Load management. Like if Prezi gets hot, you're like, Zach, I need to keep you hot. So you're not going to play in two games. And then, Eric, if you're hot. And also, you, you make trades right then, too. Yeah. That's the other thing is with Stahl. I'm moving Stahl. I still, I, 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 if this was a court of hockey law, I move to move Stahl as quickly as possible still. Clung, clung. That's my I want to move him. Sound. Yeah, I would, too. I can't move Parisi. Don't Can't don't move Suter. I get all that. Right. But my gosh, if I could move, if I could move Stall, um, well, heck, if 
Zuccarello would come to me and be like, I didn't realize yeah, what I, I signed up anymore. for. But that contract, I think a lot of teams would be like, yeah. what? I've been thinking about telling that to Phil, too, to waive my no movement clause. I don't know if I can do this anymore, but, you know. I've, I'm thinking about Phil it. Phil never should have given you the That's right. No, should never no, give no me the clause. clause. Um, All right. Now, the final one, the most likely scenario. Uh, so the Wild stay in the top five of the draft lottery. I, we, we touched on this already kind of in the podcast. That This is the most likely scenario is that they finish inside the top five. They sell off some assets at the trade deadline, a stall. Maybe you get something really special for a Brodeen, but I'm more looking at a stall or a Dubnik. Easy trade deadline acquisitions. Brad Hunt, I'd include in that, obviously, too. Power play specialist. So you move assets that you can get rid of pretty quickly. Uh, you stay in front of the top five. Maybe a player or two from the AHL come up, and you see what you got there. And then you get a top five pick. Kaprizov comes over. You start to turn things around quickly. I think it's more of a no duh scenario because I think we're at we're at that point. Like no duh, they're in the top five right, of the draft lottery, and you're tracking that way yeah. right now. No question. And, and even and let's just say Fiala is the guy. Fiala is the only one of the kids that takes a, a substantial developmental step up in his in his production points wise and his maturity as a hockey player. So maybe that's probably the most likely scenario that that's what's going to happen. But these the best and the worst. Obviously, the best case scenario is the least likely to happen. The Worst case scenario is the second most, and the most likely, obviously, is in the name. So the best, the best case, I think, is just out. I think you're you're right; it's not going to happen. Um, I honestly, to go back to the worst case, I think if you're Bill Guerin, you can stop that one. You can, like, you, you would just make a trade. I'm not kidding. I would actually say the NBA is doing it. Why can't my guy sit in the press box for a few games? But you could you could definitely trade a guy like Stahl. You could trade if Dubnik gets hot, which is you know it could happen. Yep, I would move him as quick as possible. I would say Stahl and Hunt are the two most so I feel marketable trade deadline. Absolutely. So I feel like I feel like scenario two. While it would make me want to rip my hair out, is also something that could be avoided as it's happening. Like you could be like, I'm just stopping this right now. Exactly. And the last one, yeah, the last one makes perfect sense. And again, you know what? This is not. So just to be clear here, this team is bad, but I think they do care. Like there have been times where I thought the locker room, not this year, but there have been years, I think, where we've all agreed the locker rooms felt sort of poisonous and it's not right. And it's not that guys aren't trying, but they're definitely not on the same page. I think there are guys on this team who are definitely on the same page. So this is not a the Wilds not trying. Like if they just applied themselves you know, they're legitimately down to rip a lot because they're legitimately down to rip a lot. Exactly. And, and, and they're not that good, and that's why they're down. But they do have some talent, so that's why they can come back. There's nothing like watching wild hockey live and in person at XL Energy Center. The sound of the puck on the boards, the excitement of the stands, and fans cheering on their favorite hockey team. Tickets remain for 2019-2020 home games, including special ticket packs that include unique experiences or merchandise. For the best ticket locations, check out wild.com backslash ticks that's wild.com backslash t-i-x there's nothing like it wild hockey we'll see you at the x but i'll go back to what i've seen of late i love and i know people are checked out now and not going but the Eckline declan the Eckline is fun to watch i mean greenway cunning now on the wing instead of at center where he probably belongs that line works its butt off. That yeah. line's a fun line. So there's a lot of positives here, uh, which is why I'm not. Which is why when they play the veterans or they start Dubnik a ton, I'm like, no, that's not where. That's not the direction here, and that's okay. Right. And 
the Greenway kind of neckline, man. I mean, it doesn't take advanced metrics. We're saying obviously they were having a hell of a game in Carolina, but just the that's when the problem with analytics. I think that that people have interpreting them is they don't match the eye test. This was a situation where analytics and eye test both say yes, like it, it's it's a eureka moment where you can see it. Hey man, that because you even said to me on Saturday, what did the analytics, what did the advanced metrics say about that line? And I pulled it up to you and said they've been the three best forwards all night. So that's when you have to marry those two, and it, it's hard. It's hard to marry the analytics with the eye test. That's the gap I think the from the perception of the of people in the league and fans have with analytics is they do, it doesn't marry with the eye test. Yep. But that was a situation with Greenway Cunning and Eck where you saw them in the offensive zone. You saw them creating shots. You never saw them in the defensive zone. They were driving possession. The ice was totally tilted every single time they were out there. And they're developing, too. Correct. And that's the next step. So fans, I think, are going to say, where are the goals? This is, the, this is a step process. The goals are coming. The goals are coming. But the most important thing is that line's applying itself and working its butt off. And that's where the goals will come. And you know what? They might not come for two months. They might not come till next October. I don't know. But I could tell you with how they're playing, they'll come. That's the, the final step is when one of those guys scores 25 goals. Okay, exactly. That's the final step. But what you should be concerned about is how hard are they working? How do they look? And the other question, and I, I think that they are answering this in a positive way, Declan. The other question is, do they fit in today's game? Correct. Because, okay, let's take... Miko Koivu has some skills left. Like, he's got some inherent abilities left. But when you watch him play, he's a veteran who's trying to... He's trying to figure out where the game is going before it does because he can't play at that speed. Eric Stahl, I feel, the same way. I feel like Eck is getting himself to a point where he does fit into the game. And that becomes my question is, how many guys do you have who fit the game? You know, Zach Prezi works his butt off. He always does. But does he fit where this league is trending now consistently? Not right. really. Yeah. Not really. So these are things that I watch that line and I say, okay, it's not there yet. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And even I've never been the, so high the ebbs on the and, right now. Definitely. The ebbs and flows of the NHL just beginning of the decade, it was young, fast, small. Small, small and fast at the beginning of the decade. Johnny Goudreau's were Johnny Goudreau's. And then you saw the last two years, now it's physicality's back. So, so the, how the, just the game flows, yes, is always a, a, a huge, humongous question. And, and I think with how old this team is, with a lot of the veterans on it, I, I do think they struggle with that. I felt the game, too, got it was still, it was fast. It got bigger. Yeah. Um, but now it's bigger and faster. Correct. So it's, it's like morphed from, it's more from, those King Stanley Cup teams, which were pretty big, heavy teams, and they had skill and could skate. I'm not saying they couldn't. But now I feel like it's gone up another echelon. And, you know, Eric Stahl, a guy like that, who I think could help a team as a third-line guy, a contender, but if you look at, a, at what he can do and his skill set now, I think it's waning in a league like this. Correct. Are you prepared for our hat trick of questions? Yes, I am ready. Okay. Judd's Hockey Show, hat trick of questions. Question number one. If you could take Nino, Mikhail Granlund, or Charlie Coyle back from last year, so you could go to in a time machine, yep. stop Paul Fenton, hang up his cell phone, break it, stomp on it, can't make the trade, which one of those three, and all three are not having great years, which one of those three would you take back right now? I'd take back Nino in a heartbeat. Um, and the important, I think, outlier here is, look, we're – we take these players back now. We're not looking at the return we got. We're just right, in, in a vacuum. Because, yeah, you take 
which you one rid, yeah. you get rid of Rask as yeah. quick as I asked that which, which one would you take back? And I would take Niederreiter back just because a I, I had more of an appreciation for him. I thought he was great, and I think he had without a doubt the best offensive ceiling to score goals. You know, Mikhail Grant was an insane playmaker, and he was very talented. And I think on as we've touched on a million times, if he played at Mariucci or on Olympic ice every night, this kid could be the best player in the world. You he would never trade him. Uh, but Nino Niederreiter, I would. Charlie Coyle, no, I, I am so I, I got so sick of that tale three seasons ago. Well, I, which is no. why I'm thrilled to see Greenway playing this way. Because Greenway now has had more consecutive games of what we thought Coyle could be than Coyle ever did. And that's where I struggle with Greenway. That's why I'm not trying to get my hopes up too high for his offensive production because I just don't want to get down the rabbit hole of a Coyle again. But I just like, like how he plays, though, because Charlie, Charlie would apply himself for moments and yeah. like a few games in Greenway since that West Coast swing seems to have gotten it. And those jobs stink, too. Yeah. Like Charlie Coyle, if Charlie Coyle played like Charlie Coyle should consistently, his job sucks. Yeah, he's getting beat up. He's going into corners. What Jordan Greenway's doing well now does not look like a fun hockey job. Right, like it's not the glory. So who would you take back? I'm with you, and not based on on Rask because clearly I'd yeah, love no. to get rid of Rask. Yeah. Nino, I think can score, and I think Nino. Look, he's not as good as the guy that went to Carolina. And got super hot. He's not that guy consistently. But Granlund, I've always thought, was so oversold. Oh, he's unbelievable. I agree. And there were moments where, yes, he was great. And yet, I think he had hockey skills for sure. But the expectation of Granlund never has come close. And, you know. 100%. This year, he's certainly not been consistently uh, great. Charlie, I love the idea of Charlie. I love the idea of Charlie Coyle as a wing power forward who I once said, and this now sounds stupid, but you know, he could be a Cam Neely type because I love that thought, but it's not going to happen. So I think I would take Nino back knowing that there's some good and bad, but the good is I know I've got a guy that can score goals. Exactly. When he's going well and goal scores are hard to find. They are, you know, Granlin's never going to score goals consistently and Coyle really should, but he can't. And Nino can. Yeah, and his shooting percentage right now, in Car- like he is so snake-bitten right now. He is like, and it's getting to him. And he gets snake-bitten, and then he gets down. Yeah. Yep. He gets he- down in the dauber, and then yep. his confidence wanes, and it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, join the club, Carolina. It's happening happened to you. That Carolina times. team, but, by the way, I like a lot. Yeah, I do, too. They've got some nice I talent. I think they need some better goaltending, but I, I you don't love like what they're doing. Brozic? No. And no, I do not trust Reamer? him. No. No, Reimer, no, no, James no, no, Reimer? no, 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 they need a shutdown goalie and I'm all in on them. What type of goalie could they use? Maybe a guy, uh, got, a guy no. who gets hot, maybe. Well, uh, maybe if, if they want to, if they want Devin Dubnik, I'd take him. But I think I'd put Dubnik in the same class right now as a Reimer. Or, or, or quiet. Yeah. Don't tell him. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hattrick of questions on Judd's hockey show. Declan Goff, Zolgad, question number two. So on Saturday night, I believe, or it, it might have been in the afternoon while we were watching Carolina play the Wild. Former Wild goalie Darcy Kemper playing goal for the Arizona Coyotes saw Matthew Kachuk of the Flames. There was a skirmish in front, and I think it was Jason Demers of the Coyotes was down on the ice. And Kachuk, who, not surprisingly, like his brother, is he's, I like him, but he's sort of a cheap player, um, shoved or did something to the player on the ice, and that caused... Darcy to come out of his goal and tackle Kachuk and start sort of punching him. At which point the Calgary goaltender, Riddick, I believe it is, skated all the way down the ice and he didn't get at Kemper, but we we had the potential for a goalie fight. In honor of that, Declan, what is your favorite goalie fight of all time? Because goalie on goalie is the greatest. It's rare. And I don't, 
it's so easy to give you know the why and and oh yeah. It, it, so I didn't I didn't go down you. this route. Thank I didn't go down that route. Down. No, no, thank no. you for not doing that. Uh, I did a little research, and this one I do remember this happening, okay. but I I didn't really remember what transpired. So this actually was a fairly recent. It was in the decade in 2011. Brent Johnson versus Rick DiPietro. Very oh, briefly. Good work. This one was hilarious. I'm so proud of you right now. So, Sports Dad is so proud. So. Pens and Islanders in the last years of DiPietro, which, by the way, is getting a paycheck till 2029. He's getting a he's one Benilla. and a half. Yep, it's he's, Bobby yep, Benilla. Yep, he's a Benilla, Bobby Benilla of, of the NHL. Um, Matt Cook from the Penguins is coming down. <laughs> and DiPietro thinks, ah, you know, Matt Cook, I'm, I'm, I'm as tough as you are. You know, I, I, can, I can throw my weight around, too. Kind of puts his body into Cook, who's crashing the net. And the Penguins are like, are you serious? So Brent Johnson... The other goalie for the Pittsburgh I remember him. comes all the way down, yep. throws one punch on DiPietro, and that body of glass in Rick DiPietro falls to the ground. I do remember this. was out. Was like, I don't know if he was unconscious, but oh, he was out. Wow. And everyone's smiling, and Mark Andre, and you know Johnson gets the misconduct, and Fleury has to come off the bench yes. to get the win for Pittsburgh. It was just, DiPietro has such fragility as it is. Why on earth? Do you think you have the fortitude and the stones to try to go after arguably one of the toughest and, and a little bit of a cheap guy? I, I know Matt Cook is not the most liked guy in the NHL, but you it takes a lot of guts to want to go after Matt Cook. And if you're Rick DiPietro, I don't understand what the hell you are thinking, dude. you got to be a little bit smarter than that to go after one of the toughest guys in the league. Very that's embarrassing. A, that's a great callback. Yeah. Way to go, man. That's, that's great. Because, yeah— you, Brent Johnson the, the versus fight, go look it up. Yeah, yeah. Just, we've all seen we've it. All seen That's it. an awesome one fight. punch. I love it. One punch. My goalie fight is one I was at, and it was my first because they're as you said they're rare. Yeah. It was my. It was I think it was my second ever North Star game. So so my dad took me to an Oilers North Stars game in Gretzky's first year in the National Hockey League at Met Center, and then my mom took me to a game that was in 81, I believe, and I think it was my second game that I went to. It's the Flyers and the North Stars, okay? Now, this is sort of Broad Street Bullies, Flyers, around that time. Those guys had won back-to-back Stanley Cups in in the mid-'70s. So we're six years after, but you've still got the Bobby Clarks and some of the goons there, and this is a different time. At the end of that game, which I think was a North Star win, and this might have been with the Flyers wearing Cooperalls, which was awesome, um, <laughs> there is a skirmish starts, and it's Jack Carlson and a Flyers player. Okay. And back then, the, the benches would come. I mean, yeah, yeah. anything went. It was just glorious. But out of the guys clutching and grabbing and some fights breaking out with guys that you're not surprised are fighting, young Don Beaupre gets into a fight with, with Flyers goaltender Pete yeah. Peters. Yeah, you showed me this a few weeks ago. It's just awesome. Yeah. And Beaupre, I mean, keep in mind, Donnie's a little guy. Yeah. Hell of a goalie at the time, but all, just a little guy. And Pete Peters was a bigger man. And as I recall, and, and if you go and Google Beaupre, Pete Peters, November 28th, 1981, it pops up on YouTube. It's a glorious goalie fight. It's not good for Beaupre, but man, was it fun. And it was a legit fight. Like there were, this was not. There were no niceties here. Correct. And this was not the old, you're a goalie, I'm a goalie, let's hold on for dear life. This was, uh, I'm a Philadelphia Flyer, I'm going to kick your ass fight. And Beaupre, wasn't, he was sitting by us in the press box too, wasn't he? Yeah, was he, he was, up there? he was sitting right there. Because I, I remember, I was like, well, that's Beaupre? Not, I didn't know that. His kid is the emergency goalie. That's now, right, that's right, yeah. Who, if a guy gets hurt, goes down and yeah. suits up and sits in, in the back at the X. 
But it was great. Yeah, that's, that's delicious, and man. And Pete Peters, he, he could fight some. He could. All right, question three in our hat trick of questions. Biggest disappointment from a National Hockey League team, not player. So biggest disappointment of a team this season so far, and let's not pick the terrible teams. Let's pick a team that we just thought, and that there's a list of these teams, a team that we thought was going to be solid to very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little perplexed here because I picked this team to win the Cup, and lately – I and maybe this is just the ebbs and flows of hockey, man. But Vegas right now, I I'm a little concerned. I'm very concerned. It's a great one. Um, they got. I think they won. You know, six of their seven, and I was looking like a genius. And uh, but your Nashville picks now not looking as stupid. Correct, as, but but I thought apologize. they'd be. Ba- I thought they'd be bad. And right now they're. By the way, second to last in the division. But so. that's, but that's what I'm saying is now, um, now you look better on that. Yeah, one. yeah. But with Vegas, I'm concerned. They've won three of their last 11 games. Uh, I know our old friend Lindsey Brown is down there covering them. I, I, I should probably give her a call here because I'm, I'm concerned, man. I, I think Vegas, I thought, was going to run away with this. I did not think you know St. Louis and Edmonton would be on top of the West uh, through the first 20 games of the season. Yeah, where, where's the cup hangover for the Blues? Oh, I, I, thought, I thought, you know, playoff team for sure, but I thought, like you said, cup hangover, and they've been consistent and Colorado all year wrong. has long. 26 points. And look at all the guys they've got out. Correct. They've it, got some it, firepower. When they, when they get healthy, they're going to they're gonna be good. All right. My biggest disappointment thus far, and I think this coach might get fired, which will be huge news in, in the hockey world, Mike Babcock and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. You're at 22 points. You're at 9-9-4, nine, nine 22 games in. Uh, right now, they're as we record this on Tuesday – afternoon they're a point ahead of buffalo in the atlantic and uh, two points clear of another weird disappointing team the tampa bay lightning but the toronto maple leafs appear to be incredibly dysfunctional marner's out now um it's just weird because i always thought i really thought that when babcock got that job that toronto was going to be the hockey equivalent of the cubs oh yeah you know popped up yeah yeah because we're, t- we're talking about a Heritage National Hockey League original six franchise that has not won a Stanley Cup since 1967. And, you know, every year they appeared like, okay, this is going to be the year, this is going to be the year, and then they get bounced by Boston in the playoffs. But right now, this is step backwards in season, and yeah. it's not stopping. So Correct. Yeah, that's in Toronto. Yeah. And, by the way, I want Toronto to win. I would love to see them get a cup. I think it would be great fun. Uh, their fan base deserves it. Long-suffering. They've had some terrible teams, but this was supposed to be the young Kyle Dubas takes over as GM and looks like the schoolboy uh, Theo Epstein genius, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. It's not good. No. We'll do uh, wrapping up here on Judd's Hockey Show. Uh, we'll wrap up here with uh, two things. One, we'll start with our, our draft pick of the week. Uh, I've been going around trying to give five draft picks because that's where I think the Wild will be in. So last week it was uh, Cole Perfetti, uh, who is a Canadian prospect. This week we go uh, over to Europe. Go to Sweden. Okay. Alexander Holtz. He's a Swede. H-O... H-O-L-T-Z. Okay. Holtz, Holtz. I believe that is correct. Sounds good to me. Um, he's, to he's a winger. He's a true winger. Left or right. He can play the other side. Shoots right, if that matters to you. Uh, six foot, 182. Uh, 17 years old. Won't be 18 until January. So he's still got some growing to do. Okay. Um, I'm a... You know, he, he's, he's playing very well in the Swedish league. The Super Elite League, I believe, is what it is. Okay. Uh, thirty goals in thirty-eight games last year. So I mean, the guy, the kid has a shot, and I think he he's a shoot-first kind of winger, which may be something the Wild need. But European prospects to me are are always intriguing. 
You know, I, I a good way or do they scare you? Scare me. Okay, they scare me. Um, I buy. It. I just, it's a different game. It, we, Mikhail Granlin, the perfect example. You know, so uh, he right now he consensus. You know, according to Hockey DB, is a top five pick. Some have him as high as four. Some have him as low as eight. He'll he'll be most likely a top draft pick. These things are obviously so interchangeable for the next seven months. But yep. Alexander Holtz is our guy for uh, this week's draft pick. Prospect. The scary thing about European prospects to me is how does the game translate to North American ice? Yes. And how easily does the person adjust? Because, you know, you basically, and I, I know you're young, but you are up uproot your life. You come over here. Are you comfortable with that? Are you homesick for a long time? So many questions. Correct. All right. Our boy Kirill Kaprizov. This is the most important oh. going for us. And, and, and the word is now that he does want to come here next season. Yes, he does. Apparently he does. And uh, I hope it's – I just hope it's here. Kaprizov, uh, since we have last talked, three games, three points, a goal, a couple assists. Healthy now. Healthy now. You have to go back to October 19th, a whole month, the last time he didn't score a point in a game. Okay. Now, and, and there was a two-week gap where he was hurt, but he, he has had a point in, I believe, now seven in a row. What the kid the shoots the puck. Like? For the season. Uh, on the season. In the KHL. But he shoots the puck at will. Four shots on goal the other day. I mean, yes. this guy's so good. Yes. Uh, 25 games played, 14 goals, 13 assists, 27 points, Love plus 18. It. Love it. 12 even strength goals, two on the power play. I think that's more telling to me. Even strength goals, if you're if you're scoring on even strength on five on five, that to me is m- even more impressive. So, Kaprizov, baby. Well, I... Please come over here. I don't know. You know, do I have to write to Putin? Do I have to write to Trump? I don't want to write to any of them. But I will do what it takes to get you well, like over you here. Like you said, Putin gets a suite here. Fine with me. Give Putin him a banner. A give him a suite. suite. Uh, Should we retire a number four? I would give number one. I would give up the number one. Yep, I would. You take away from the fans and give yep. Putin. Yep. Last question: <laughs> are, are you going to make an appearance either Friday or Saturday? I believe. At Mariucci this week to see oh, what boy. could have been to see it's Cole Caulfield, right? Yeah. To Badgers. see he's a very little guy, but he could score goals. Oof. And the Wild said thanks, but no thanks. And I think Montreal took him. Are you going to go see the Badgers goal scoring star? I'm going to try to get and down come there. back with a full report to me about how big a whiff you think this might have been by the Wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to get down at least for Friday or Saturday and watch a, watch, watch one of the games. Um, I, I look. I, I'm on the record too. I was skeptic as well. I, I didn't think the size would translate. I'll, I'm, I am on the record on that. Um, as I've also said a million times before, I'm never afraid to admit that I was wrong and that I people change. I think it's a huge problem in this country in this world. But he is tearing it up for Wisconsin, man. And 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 I don't know how long he'll stay if he continues to score goals like this. All right, Judd's Hockey Show. We are done. Back next Tuesday. Uh, thanks for uh, finding us. And as I said, we always do our podcast on Tuesday. And we do um, a mini podcast ordinarily. What's it called again? Uh, one-timers. One-timers on Fridays. We'll talk to you later. Pass, shoot, score.